Thanks for joining us for Life Vineyard Church. Hey everybody, if we haven't met yet, my name's Dan, and I'm one of the lead pastors here. And thanks for being with us today. I'm glad you guys are celebrating Father's Day with us. Special welcome to you guys online as well. And uh, happy Father's Day. Glad you guys are here. Or as my youngest told me today, happy Easter, Dad. (laughs) Said close enough. I I get it. And then I got a hug, so that's all I needed, right? Um, Hey, I want to give you some, some Father's Day quotes today. This one is from Jerry Seinfeld. So you can see where we're going with these. Having a two-year-old is like having a blender, but you don't have the top for it. (laughs) I'm with that. Uh, Booking plane tickets. This is uh, Ken Jennings. Booking plane tickets for a family trip is a fun little test to see if I still remember all my kids' birthdays. This is Jerry Lewis. He tells this little story. When I was a kid, I said to my father one afternoon, Daddy, will you take me to the zoo? And he answered, if the zoo wants you, they'll call and they'll come get you. And this, this next one, this kind of hits home for me because I, I felt this as soon as I read it. This is from Mark Twain. And he says, when I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant, I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I, when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much the old man had learned in seven years. Now, it took me like two times reading that, realizing that like his dad never changed. It was Mark Twain who grew up and realized his dad was a regular guy. And I felt that when I was 14, when I was a teenager. Did you guys feel that? Like I thought I had the worst luck in the world to get the parents that I did, when in reality, they were awesome. They are awesome. In fact, the older I get and the more I parent my own kids, I realize how I... I mean, they're so wonderful that I should be like calling the Pope every day, nominating them for sainthood, you know? Hey, Pope, I got some people that I got to nominate for you. Um, They're awesome. I had tricked myself into believing something that wasn't true. They weren't, they, uh, they really were good parents. And that's something, fooling ourselves is something that we can do from time to time and in all areas of our lives. Like uh, this week, I rode my bike to work a couple times and I was like, oh, yeah, you know, two miles to work, uh, a huge distance. And I was riding my bike, and I was like, oh, yeah, getting fit. This is great. I'm burning so many calories. I turned that app on my phone that counts when you're bicycling, counts how many calories you're burning. And I'd look at it and be proud. But I was really just fooling myself because I have an electric-assisted bicycle. You know, like it's, <laughs> I'm probably burning one-eighth of the calories that it says. But, you know. Uh, so that's kind of the, that's where we're going to be today a little bit, is like how we can fool ourselves into believing different things that just aren't true. And uh, we're in this message series right now called Shift. And we're calling it Shift. It's a, it's a journey through the book of James. We're going a couple verses at a time. And it's called Shift because James is all about causing us to think about our faith and moving it, shifting it into action. Like, we believe these certain things. We believe wonderful and inspiring things about God. We believe that God is loving and caring and compassionate and good and merciful and healing and restoring and forgiving. And James, in his letter, says, wow, that's awesome. Jesus is all those things. And 
you get to go do that too. You get to go do that action. The same things that God is doing, you get to do as well. And so that's what he's encouraging us to do throughout this book, is take action with our faith. Uh, Christians are Jesus' earthly representatives, right? We are his ambassadors here on earth. And that's kind of what the word Christian means, is like little Christ, Christian, right? I, I love raising little Danians. When they do things around the house, or they go disc golfing with me, or they go camping with me, I'm like, yeah, little Danians, right? I love making little Danians. And there are 2.6 billion Christians in the world today. But like you, I, I don't see 2.6 billion people representing God's forgiveness and his mercy and his love and compassion and of course, that's nothing new, right? Uh, James, the author of this book, he, uh, he saw that too. And he was the first Christian leader in Jerusalem. So he was the first one, and he was seeing this problem that people would say, hey, I'm a Christian, but wouldn't follow it up with any action. And so that's what he's writing in this book. And it's just as relevant to us now as it was to them back then. And so he tells us that we've got to look in the mirror, realize who we are, children of the King, ambassadors of Christ, and allow your faith to move you into action. So today we're going to finish up chapter 1. We're going, uh, we're going to start in verse 19 here. Uh, if you have your Bible with you, you can open it. If you've got it on a device, you can read it there. I'll also have the uh, words on the screen. James 1.19 Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. Let me highlight that first part. Understand this. You must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Three core values that guide our modern society, right? No, of course not. These, I mean, we don't see this anywhere, really, very often. I mean, who's quick to listen anymore? Especially online, like we're so fast to get in our keyboards. We're not slow to speak. And you know, a lot of times when we're having conversations with people, especially in disagreements, when the other person is talking, what are we doing? We're not really listening. We're thinking of our response, like how we're going to best this person in our conversations. But is that being quick to listen? Is that being slow to speak? Is that being slow to get angry? I, I don't think so. We don't see that. You know, back in 2020, when the world in August, thought that we were coming out of the pandemic, me included. <laughs> you know, they wrote this, uh, Forbes wrote this article about people coming back to the workplace. And they were saying these things um, about the workplace and how it was going to change a little bit. And ha they wrote this article for bosses and managers, and it was called, Are You, lis Are you Really Listening or Just Wanting to Talk? And he, and in there, uh, they discuss uh, passive listening versus active listening and how passive listening is when you just turn your brain off and you're thinking about your own thoughts and you're not really thinking about what they're saying. And active listening is really 
tuning in to what that person is saying and caring about them. And, you know, they, they talked about how when people come back to the office, you need to be like, make a space for people to be heard, to be listened to. If I was going to summarize that section of the article, I might say just like, uh, be quick to listen, something like that, I don't know. And then, you know, they went on and they talked about how you need to not just share all of your ideas at people, but listen to their ideas, kind of hold your ideas back and make people feel heard. If I was going to summarize that, just off the top of my head, maybe quick to listen, uh, uh, slow to speak is what I might say there. And then they talked about how people might have, like, more uh, tempers when they come back. They're not used to being with each other. There could be more conflict, and they're talking about how you've got to set the example, and we would call that slow to be angry, right? And so Forbes had come up with all of these uh, amazing things that they had researched through scientists and through studies that they thought would be important. Let me, um, let me read the end of the article here. It says, too often, we're just focused on ourselves and what we want to say. But the best leaders aren't focused inward. Instead, they're focused outward on their team's needs and concerns. And listening is often the first step to representing Jesus' compassionate love and care towards others. Oh, maybe I added, I added that last part about Jesus. My bad. Uh, but, you know, it might as well be true. Like, Forbes had found some truth here. And, you know, all, all truth is God's truth. He created it. They arrived at it in a different way than I might have. Like, I'm going to go to the Bible first. They're going to go to uh, studies and scientists first. And that's fine. I love it when, you know, God's truth of science backs up God's truth of Scripture. So I totally agree with this article. It's a good one. Be quick to listen. Slow to speak and slow to get angry. Let's look at the rest of the verse here, uh, starting in verse 20. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word that God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. That's interesting. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. Oftentimes, our anger is because something isn't right, right? Like something isn't right, or we think something's not right, and so we're angry about it, and we think that our anger can make things right. But that's not how God works. That's not how God brings his rightness, his righteousness into our lives. It's not through our anger that things are made right. But we think this all the time. You know, the other day, uh, I faced quite an injustice in my household. Um, yeah, you guys are too. Uh, it was quite an injustice in my household because it was Tuesday morning. I opened up the fridge to get some milk out of the fridge. And there was no milk in my fridge, people. No milk. That's the injustice that I was facing. And so the anger rose up, and I was like, how can there not be milk in the fridge? Let me give you some context. Me and Liz, we switch shopping weeks, so one week she goes shopping. She hasn't heard this story yet, so she, she <laughs> might be turning red. Um, 
we switch shopping weeks. So one week I go shopping, the other week she goes shopping. This was her week to go shopping. She had just been shopping the day before. So there should be milk in the fridge. And let me tell you, like when I go shopping, you've got to believe me that I have never, of course, forgotten anything that Liz has wanted from the store. That's not true. But in that moment, I thought I was right to be upset. And so by letting Liz know how upset I was and being angry, I could make things right. I could correct the injustice and get milk back in my fridge. So I was going to go ask her some questions like, where's the milk? How could you forget it? What will you do to rectify this injustice that has inflicted my life today? I'm avoiding eye contact right now. <laughs> but I deceived myself again. Right? I believed the lie that being upset, being angry, could make things right in my life. But we know that's not true in that situation. That can only lead to like a broken day with the person I love the most. And so, uh, check this out. Check the, the verses that we read right before this. These verses about being quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. And this verse about ang- anger about how we can't make things right through our anger, they're one cohesive thought. I mean, what would it have been like if I was quick to listen in that moment? But I wasn't. In fact, I I wasn't even slow to speak. I had a lot of things to say, and I was going to make sure that I was heard in this moment. And was I slow to get angry? Not even close. Like, as soon as I didn't see the milk, I was just like, you know how it boils a little bit? Like, how could we not have milk today? Consider your relationships over the last couple weeks, or even a year, and how they might be different if you had followed this wisdom that we received from James. What would, have been, would have been, what would have been the outcome of your different relationships if you were quick to listen to someone? Even when they're angry at you, if you were quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry, what would that be like? And I'm And I am talking about conflicts here. And I'm not just talking about big conflicts. I'm talking about the everyday, no milk in the fridge kind of conflicts that we have. And then I'm also talking about everyday relationships. What about the person maybe at work that wants to talk to you more than you want to talk to them? And maybe you just realize they need a little bit more love and listening to. You can be that for them. You can be Jesus' ambassador for them. What would our everyday relationships look like If, as Scripture says, we're listening to the Word of God that's been planted in our hearts. Now, I'm happy to report that I was able to subdue my anger because as I was marching out of the kitchen into the dining room to go find Liz to ask her some questions, I noticed there was milk on the table that the kids were using and I had just missed it and there really was milk in the house. So, in that moment, I was reminded yet again that Liz is perfect and flawless <laughs> and the most wonderful human being to ever grace this planet. It's Father's Day, so I'm going to get more grace than I normally would, right? All right, let's, uh, let's read the rest of the chapter and keep in mind what we've learned so far, that our anger will never make things right. That's a lie. That's, that's a deception. Our anger is not going to make things let, right, uh, but the truth Scripture says is that we should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. So this is James 1, 22 through 26. 
But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. There's the lie again. You're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you carefully look into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you hear, then God will bless you for doing it. There's a promise there. There's the promise of God's freedom and blessing there. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself. There's another lie. And your religion is worthless. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God, God the Father, means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Now that last part, verse uh, 26 and 27, that's like a preamble to what's coming up in the rest of James. And so I'm not going to touch much on that today. I'm going to leave that and we'll talk about that in coming weeks as he goes more in depth about those things. Um, But I want to take a look at verse 22 again, where it says, But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. We understand that, right? It's pretty clear. Uh, You know, it's Father's Day, and I guess any parent, of course, can relate to this, that you tell your kids or anyone to do anything, you're like, hey, will you unload the dishwasher? And they're like, okay. And then you come back 10 minutes later, they haven't even started. And then you're like, hey, uh, excuse me, could you, uh, could you please unload the dishwasher? And they're like, okay. You know, they respond to you, they say okay, but you know they've heard you, but they're not doing. We get this. And so Scripture is saying that the same is true for us. We listen to God's Word, and we should put it into practice, not just listen to it. We understand that. It's important. I understand that reading scripture and not putting it into practice is a foolish thing. But you know that the part right after that, the mirror analogy, where you look into a mirror, you forget who you are, I've never fully understood that analogy until this week. And it turns out that he's saying something way more in this analogy. Like, couldn't you come up with a better analogy than looking in a mirror and forgetting? Like, I've never quite gotten that, but, but there, this is packed with meaning. And to understand it, we've got to go back to James's original language and original culture to understand that. So we're going to do uh, a little bit of study here to understand a few words in these verses in the original Greek as it was written. And so the first word that we're going to look at is this word that's translated glancing. It's translated glancing. And um, that Greek word is katanoeo. And the NLT uh, is trying to communicate a message. The, I'm sorry, let me stop. Uh, real quick, the NLT is the version of the Bible that we're using. So in English, we're super blessed. We have, you know, uh, tons of translations of the Bible. And so uh, there's other languages. They've only got like one or two or zero. But we've got all these translations to work from because it was originally re- written in Greek, and we've got to translate it to English. So there's like a spectrum. There's like Uh, versions that are very literal over here. It's like word-for-word translation. And then, like, way over here, you've got the paraphrased versions, like the Passion version or the the Message version. Thank you. And then in the middle, you've got things like uh, the ESV and the NIV. And then 
right in between the paraphrase and the middle would be the NLT. And I really enjoy it. I really like it. I use it for preaching. I use it for reading, along with some other versions. So it's trying to communicate something that, like, you shouldn't just glance at Scripture and you shouldn't just glance in a mirror, but that you should study it. But it's missing out on what some other translations are trying to say. So let me get back to this word, katanoeo. It's never used in the New Testament as a way to say glancing. It's never used that way. In fact, it means quite the opposite, where it means to study something or to behold something, to understand something intensely, like, I really understand this thing. That's the meaning of katanoeo all throughout Scripture. Jesus, let me give you some examples. Jesus uses this word when he says, katanoeo the lilies. They, how they grow. They don't work for their clothing. They don't make their own clothing. And he goes on to say that God takes care of them. He's going to take care of you. But he says, katanoeo the lilies. Consider the lilies. Take a study of the lilies. He's not just saying, hey, glance at these lilies here. But he's really saying, take note of them. Study them. There are many more examples, uh, but let me just give you one more. This is Luke 20, again with Jesus. The religious leaders are trying to deceive and trick Jesus into saying something that they could, like, you know, get him in trouble for. And the Bible says that Jesus catanoeoed what they were trying to do. He catanoeoed their trickery. He deciphered it. He, uh, he understood it. He detected their real purpose and what they were trying to do. So it's this word deep with meaning about like studying and understanding what something is. And so now we see that this word, katanoeo, is not just a glance in the mirror, but it is contemplating ourselves in the mirror. It's understanding who we see. It's making note of everything that we are. You know, it's, it's not just, oh, is a hair out of place? Do I have a zit for church today on Father's Day? You know, it's this deeper meaning of really studying who we are. But here's where I think it gets amazing is that he goes on to say something else, that uh, it's not just a physical way. It's not just so we can look in the mirror, study ourselves, and then draw our features later. That's not what it's about. James is referencing looking at our whole selves, all of who we are, like our whole makeup. And so to tell you about that, I want to bring another word to your attention in this scripture. And uh, it's actually missing from this translation. It's not even in here. They drop it. And about, about 80% of translators just drop this word because it doesn't really make sense to us in the English language. But when you do see it, it's the word natural. So if you have an ESV ASV, Amplified Bible, those will all have this word natural in it, but that still doesn't really make sense. It comes right before the word face, so when you look at your natural face. But that doesn't really make too much sense to us, so they drop it. I understand that. Um, And that word is geneseos. Geneseos. And it's only used, besides this, it's only used two other times in the New Testament. And in those times, one is used in James, James 3, and the other time, the only time it's used outside of James is in the New Testament. I mean, it's always in the New Testament, but in Matthew, at the very beginning of Matthew, 
It's used to describe the genealogy of Jesus, the Geneseos of Jesus, which for us is like, yay, Christmas time, time to read the Christmas story. All right, Matthew, oh, I can't read all those names and those are boring. We'll go on to chapter two, right? We just kind of skip that genealogy. Who skips the genealogy? Anybody? Yeah, okay. Uh, which for our culture, we're not really, especially us Americans, we're not, we don't see the importance of a genealogy. But for the original readers who were reading this, the genealogy was incredibly important for them. It communicated not just where you come from, which was significant to them, but also who you are. It proved one's identity as a Jew, as a recipient of the blessing of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And ultimately, it, it described your identity as a person chosen by God. And then in other places in Greek literature, this Geneseos word, it can be used to describe the sort of thing you are. So this, the Geneseos of this thing, is a candle. And the Geneseos of that thing is a speaker. And the Geneseos of this thing is a human. It describes who we are. So we can kind of get some clues from other places in the Greek, other than just the Bible. It's described... Oh, here's the other one. I love this one. In, in, uh, in James 3, James 3, 6. This is the only other time this is used in Scripture. James is trying to tell us how the tongue, just a little bit of you, your tongue, can corrupt, can corrupt your entire person. And the word he uses for that entire person is geneseos. The tongue can corrupt, corrupt all of you. Just a little part of you can, you can let it corrupt all of you. So it's this word used to describe your whole being, all of who you are. And so what James is communicating in this beautiful way, I think, is that, uh, is that we have to understand ourselves completely and fully, our geneseos, our divine identity, through reflection of Scripture. When you look in the mirror of Scripture and it speaks back to you, who does it say you are? What does it say about you? You guys might know some of these answers. When Scripture talks about you as a follower of Jesus, as a Christian, as a little Christ, you are a new creation. You're chosen. You're a child of the living God. You're restored and redeemed. You're loved. You are a person of the light. You are forgiven. You are made perfect through Jesus. You are empowered by the Holy Spirit. You are adopted by God the Father. You are a kingdom ambassador here on earth, representing God's heart and God's actions as a follower of Jesus. So what, what James is saying is remember who you are. Remember the kind of life that you are called to. Understand your whole self as a child of God and how you are to carry that out as one of his kids. And so when someone tries to hurl a, an insult or an identity on you that's from the world, don't believe it. That's from the world. That's not from God. And when there's no milk in the fridge and anger rises up in you, don't forget the kind of actions that you're called to 
And when you see an injustice in your community, stand up as God's kingdom ambassador, here to make broken things right, just as Jesus did. So we have this scripture, and we have this new understanding. So if I could, like, read this, read scripture along with, like, Dan's uh, message translation, like my paraphrase translation way over here. So if I can reread this to you, I might say, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like understanding your identity. Your geneseos is as God's child and chosen ambassador. You see who you are. You see your whole self, your geneseos, complete in Christ. But walk away from your calling. And back to, back to actual scripture here. But if you look carefully into the perfect law, that sets you free. And if you do what it says and don't forget what you've heard, then God will bless you for doing it. I'll close with this. There is a promise here that when we shift our faith into action, there's a promise of God's freedom and there's a promise of God's blessing here. And friends, there is nothing better in this world than to receive God's freedom. There is nothing better in the world than to receive his blessings every day. And so James is calling on us to shift our faith to action, remembering our identity, remembering who we are. And when we go out into the world, we don't forget what we've read. We don't forget what we've read about our identity who we are. We understand that so fully that it moves us into action. Will you guys pray with me? Jesus, thanks for the beauty of Scripture. Thanks for telling us who we are over and over and over. God, we just ask for extra grace today. And this week and in our lives that uh, you know, we believe who you are. We believe what you said about the, us. And give us grace to go out and, and do, do the things that we're called to do. Be the people that we're called to be. And so, Jesus, we ask for your help. Holy Spirit, come guide us. Jesus, thank you for who you are. God, you are so, you're so good to us. Thank you for that. And God, happy Father's Day. You're our perfect Father. We love you. Amen. At Life Vineyard Church, we want you to experience the life-changing presence of God. We'd love to have you join our community. We meet every Sunday in Muhammad, Illinois. To find out more, go to lifevineyard.org, lifevineyard.org. Oh, hey, you're still here. You're like one of my favorite people. The kind of person that like sticks around after church while everybody else has left. Like you're still one of the last ones talking. You're like the podcast version of that person. And while I have you here, uh, if you didn't know, this is Pastor Dan. Uh, while I have you here, I just want to say, hey, if you don't have a church home, we would love for you to come to life if you're in the central Illinois area. 
If you're listening to this outside of Central Illinois, go find a Vineyard Church. Vineyard Churches are amazing places. Go find one near you. And if you're not near a Vineyard Church, then uh, just find a church, a community of believers that you can be involved with, be in community with. I think we are our best spiritual selves when we are in community with other people who are following Jesus. That's what the church is for. So we hope to see you here, and if not here, go find a community of believers that you can get involved with this week. All right, thanks for listening. See you later.